0: Welcome to the Life Church of Kansas City podcast. Please consider following, sharing, and supporting by giving at tlckcmo.com. May you be blessed by the Word of God. Acts 15, 12. I'll just read the text and then I'll give you the context. All the multitude kept silent. And listened to Barnabas and Paul declaring how many miracles and wonders God had worked through them among the Gentiles. And after they had become silent, James said, men and brethren, listen to me. Simon has declared how God at the first visited the Gentiles to take off of them a people for his name. And with this, the words of the prophets agree, just as, as it is written, after this, I will return And I will rebuild, notice this, the tabernacle of David. Notice this is in the book of Acts. And our theme this year is building a New Testament church. And we've been preaching through the book of Acts. And God said, after this, I will rebuild and restore the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down. I will rebuild its ruins and I will set it up so that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord. Even all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who does all these things. My subject today, under the theme of building a New Testament church, is entitled, Restoring the Tabernacle of David. And everybody that has a desire to see that happen, say amen. amen. You don't even know what it means yet, but you said amen by faith. You may be seated. So there was a man who was marooned on a one-acre tropical island for ten years, and finally a ship passed by and saw him frantically waving on the shores, the shore, and they pulled in. He swam out to the boat. They pulled him over, sort of drying him off, and he was so happy he hadn't seen humans in ten years and. The captain was backing the boat away from the shore, and he sort of noticed on that little island, there was three huts right there. He said, sir, uh, did you build those huts? He said, yes, I did, with my own hands. He said, well, what did you use them for? He said, well, you see the one in the middle? That's where I lived. He said, oh, okay. He said, see the one on the right? He said, yeah. He said, that's where I went to church. So said, that's great. You see the one on the left? He said, yeah. I said, that's where I used to go to church. <laughs> Shall we pray? <laughs> the context of this text is a watershed moment for the first century church. Up until this time, Regrettably, the church was largely, if not exclusively Jewish, but God was breaking in yes, he was. and he was doing a new thing. Yes. And the traditional people weren't sure if they liked it or not. The stockholders, the charter members, the, the turf protectors. Yeah. Everybody just look straight ahead. they weren't sure if they were in agreement with what was going on. so the elders of the church, including Peter, Paul, Barnabas, and James, who was the pastor, this was the Lord's brother, he was the pastor of the church in Jerusalem, they gathered to have a holy convocation and to figure out how to move forward. And to facilitate what God was doing. And so they came up with an agreement, which I won't unpack today. But suffice it to say, it it brought peace. And everybody agreed with the solution. And they were going to move forward. And let God be God. Let the church be the church. Let God save whoever he wanted to save and not try to, you know, micromanage uh, revival and what God wanted to do. And it's interesting that in the context of James' response, he reaches back to an Old Testament prophecy found in Amos chapter 9, which I'll get to in a minute. But Amos prophesied that God was in this last day move of the Spirit. That he was going to restore one of the two tabernacles of the Old Testament. And God chose the tabernacle of David. Everybody say the tabernacle of David. So there were two churches in the Old Testament One is where Israel went to church and one is where Israel used to go to church. There were two major versions of the tabernacle in the Old Testament. And they, of course, are the tabernacle of Moses and the tabernacle of David in that order. The purpose of Moses' tabernacle in the wilderness was twofold. First of all, to give God a certain dwelling place... And secondly, the Tabernacle was designed to teach Israel how to approach God and how to confront and theologically deal with their sin issue before a holy God. And that's a problem for all of us because we all have a sin issue and have a nice day. (laughs) We all do. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And I'm so glad that we have an answer through Christ for the sin issue. Amen. Are you glad you took care of that sin issue? Amen. It doesn't make you sinless. There was only one sinless man. But it gives you an advocate. It gives you a place to go, to bring, to unload, to to get your sin taken care of. And let me tell you what the biblical prescription of your sin issue is. It is, first of all, to repent. That means to turn from your sin. It doesn't mean you're going to be perfect, but you have a desire to change your heart and to please God and to be more like him. That's the first step. The second step. According to Peter's message on the day of Pentecost is to be baptized by immersion. That means all the way under the water. It's a type of a grave in the name of Jesus Christ. Why? For the remission of your sins. The authority to remit sins is in the name of Jesus Christ. There is no authority in the titles Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Those are not names. Those are titles. But when you're baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, it confronts the deal issue, it, the sin issue, it washes the sins away, and it changes your life forever. And then when you obey those two things, that's what you can do, then God does what only he can do. And he will baptize you in the Holy Spirit. And you will know it because the biblical evidence of receiving the Holy Spirit is more than a warm feeling in your heart. It's more than goosebumps up and down your spine. It's more than the hair popping out on the back of your neck, if you have any. Amen. But the biblical evidence of receiving the Holy Ghost is speaking with other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. Let's thank God for the new birth today. Thank you for the new birth. So there were benefits resulting from Moses tabernacle. I suppose we could say that the protocols of the tabernacle of Moses taught people for the first time about liturgy or spiritual catechism, you know, going through some prepared, organized behaviors that are unto the Lord and please God. tabernacle of Moses taught them sacrifice and it taught them worship and it taught them atonement. Uh, if you break down the word atonement it really looks like at-one-ment. How to be at one with God. And it, the, the tabernacle taught them to respect God and God spent 4,000 years in the Old Testament including with the tabernacle of Moses teaching them that he's a holy God. How many knows that God's a holy God? He's a holy God. And How do you, how do you approach? You know, David said, what is man that you're even think about me that my, my name would ever cross your mind and, and that you would visit me. And, and so they, the tabernacle taught them the holiness of God and how to approach him and, and the tabernacle taught them obedience and it taught spiritual leadership and it taught how the church to unify and, It taught the awesomeness of God and it taught how God wanted Israel to build their lives and the lives of their families around this center of worship and the arrangement of their tents, their, their tents, uh, in the wilderness, they were all facing in toward the tabernacle. So let me pause and say that in the new Testament, turn to somebody say, thank God we're in the new Testament. We're in the New Testament. In the New Testament, every Christ follower, every born-again believer, you need not one, not two, but you need three tabernacles. And the first one is right here. It's with you everywhere you go. This really is the real tabernacle right here. When Jesus died on the cross, the veil... In that old tabernacle was torn from the top to the bottom and God was saying I have changed addresses my holy of holies has moved my my center my center of headquarters has moved i am no longer 1 corinthians 6:19 do you not know that your body is the temple of the holy spirit whom you have from God and you are not your own for you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit which are God's. Amen. The, temp, the real temple, amen, is right here. The real tabernacle is right here. So why don't you just let God be worshiped in your tabernacle right now. Go ahead. Go ahead. Let God be praised. Come on, give it your best shot. Come on, praise him worship him. Go ahead. This is the real tabernacle. That's it. He loved to be worshiped. He loved to be praised. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. yes. Praise God. You have to have three tabernacles. This is the first one. It's always with you. And you've got to constantly let it be washed and cleansed and Purified, I prayed this morning, Lord, create in me a clean heart. I mean, I've pastored for 40 years. I've been, got saved when I was eight years old. I've been walking with God for a long time. I never turned my back on God, I never backslid. But this morning, this old sinner saved by grace had to get down on his knees and say, Lord, create in me a clean heart. And renew a right spirit in me. I said, Lord, I don't want to stand before the people without a clean heart and a right spirit. And and just create that in me because we need to hear from the Lord today. And the second tabernacle you need is right here. You need this one. Yeah. The Bible says in Hebrews 10, 25, not forsaking The gathering of ourselves together like some have done during COVID. Oh. (sighs) We're so glad you joined us. Out there in TV land. We want to see you again. One of these days before the Lord returns. I'm not being sarcastic or cynical. This is the heart of a true pastor. Amen. Don't forsake the assembling. When COVID hit, we did the best we could. But online is not the best any of us can do. Present and accounted for and here and gathering together in a corporate setting where we can hear the word together, where we can shake hands and hug necks and, and, and encourage one another. Praise God. Amen. You can't replace the house of God. You can't replace this tabernacle. You can't replace this tabernacle. They each have a very valuable role. And there's a third tabernacle, and that is where you live. Whatever address. On the count of three, everybody tell me your address. Ready? 2205 Southeast Meeting, Lee Summit, 64063. That's your third tabernacle. I've well told stories. People that bought our house after we lived in eight years called. My wife said, who are you people? She said, what do you mean? She said, I feel something in this house I've never felt before. My wife said, what is it? She said, peace. A couple years ago, we got a new refrigerator. The big old burly delivery guys walked in, said, ma'am, where do you want us to put the refrigerator? And one guy went, whoa. He said, ma'am, There's something in this house. She said, what do you mean? I mean, think about these guys. They're in and out of houses all the time. They feel stuff. They see stuff. Let me tell you something. If you go in a house where there's seances and witchcraft and demonic stuff going on, you'll feel it when you walk in it. And uh, he said, man, there's something in this house. She said, oh, I know what that is. That's the spirit of God. He said, man, that's exactly what that is. You know, it's one thing for me to say it, it's one thing for her to say it, but when an outsider comes in and says, whoa, I feel peace, I feel the presence of God, what's that telling you? It's telling you we got three tabernacles. We got this one, we got this one, and we got the one at the house. Praise God. How about your house? Can anybody walk in your house right now and realize it's dedicated, it's a temple as unto the Lord? I'm going to tell you something, life is too short to put up with hell. Life is too short to not live in peace. Amen. Amen. If the devil's in my house, I'm kicking him out. If the devil's in my house, I'm getting rid of him. If the devil's in my house, if there's confusion, I'm throwing him out because I want to live in peace. I can tell you so many stories of people even in this congregation who have had to throw the devil out so they could have peace. Aren't you thankful for three tabernacles? Now, these two tabernacles in the Old Testament, they were very different. In fact, they were radically different. There was very little similarity. And we begin to see why God was going to restore one of them and not the other. If Moses' tabernacle, the first one, was grade school, David's tabernacle was college. Everything in Moses' tabernacle went to a whole new level under David's tabernacle. I have a uh, an artist's rendering of David's of Moses' tabernacle, rather. Um, No, I think that was a drone flyover. I think we took. (laughs) Just kidding, but it, it was similar. We we do know the dimensions. And a lot of the description when you study the Old Testament. So let me characterize it in my words. The tabernacle of Moses was a pretty tight ship. It had a seven foot high fence all around it. Only one of the 12 tribes could access it all the way through, which were the Levites. One priest once a year would journey behind the veil, which was a separate area under that covered area. The first covered area was called the holy place and then behind then there was a veil uh and the other back room was called the holy of holies and that's where the priest would go one time a year moses tabernacle was strictly for the jews the sons of abraham if you weren't a son of abraham too bad for you moses tabernacle restricted anyone from participating who was disqualified Yes, there were disqualifiers in the tabernacle of Moses. Basically, any physical defect or abnormality in someone's body, even if you were born that way. How cruel uh, that was. But God was trying to uh, send a message, uh, but they were locked out. Exodus 17, Moses is alone. He's on a mountain He's lifting up his hands, and the Israelites are prevailing against their enemies, and he got tired. I mean, he was in his 80s, and uh, when his hands fell by his side, the Amalekites prevailed against the Israelites. Basically, this is an imagery of a leader all alone. And someone said, if it's lonely at the top, then you're not doing something right. (laughs) Shall we have a moment? (laughs) Take somebody with you. And Aaron and her joined Moses and they lifted up his hands when he was weary. Somebody in your life needs you to lift up their hands. Someone who's weary in the battle. Under the shadow of this tabernacle, Moses led Israel pretty much all by himself. In fact, he was taking care of the needs of a congregation that numbered in the millions maybe three million and all day long from sunrise to sunset Moses was settling disputes and giving advice and counsel and and finally one day his father-in-law Jethro said Moses look what you're doing to the people he said wait a minute what do you mean I'm doing this to the people he said yeah you think it makes you feel good at the end of the day you solved everybody's problem but he said you're wearing out and they're wearing out well I was trying to do the right thing no his father-in-law said, don't you have men that are qualified to leave thousands? And some that are can settle disputes over hundreds and some fifties and some tens. That's in Exodus 18. And, and, and he, Moses got a word from God through his heathen father-in-law. And it changed his life. Then by the time Numbers 11 rolls around, Moses is still wearing out. And God tells him to take 70 elders into the prayer room and the Lord said I'm going to bring my presence down on you and then I'm going to take the anointing that's on you and I'm going to disperse it to the 70 and uh, and the Bible said that happened and they started to prophesy and things sort of calmed down and uh, 68 of them left and and went back to the tabernacle and there was two that were still prophesying, and Joshua wasn't sure if that was okay because Moses wasn't there to inspect it and pay attention to it. And, and uh, he came running and said, Moses, we got a problem. Moses said, oh, no, does somebody die? What's going on? Well, there's two guys that are still out there prophesying. The Spirit's still on him, Moses. And Moses was like, well, thank God. Finally, something's going. I don't have to push. Moses had an epiphany. Come on, I'm going somewhere with this message. you got to work with me a little bit, people. And so Moses is like, thank God. He sort of had this moment. And then Moses said, you know what? I wish that all God's people were prophetic. I wish they all were in the spirit. I wish they all had hearts for God. Not just me, not just Aaron, the high priest, not just the 70, amen, but thank God. That somebody was lingering in the prophetic. Somebody was still hungry and they couldn't, they weren't in a hurry to get out of it. Praise God. Amen. Have you ever been in one of those services, maybe on a Sunday? And I hope we have one today where nobody really wants to leave because the spirit is moving. And that's where we feel equipped. And that's where we feel forgiven. And that's where we feel united. And that's where we feel like we can finally love our enemies. And we can pray for those that despitefully use us. And when we get in the spirit, we don't want to leave. Oh, clap your hands to the Lord right now. So there was a breaking in, but essentially the tabernacle of Moses was a one-man show. Limited access. One tribe allowed to minister. And I, for one, am so thankful on Thanksgiving week. That God did not choose to restore the tabernacle of Moses in the New Testament church. We are not the tabernacle of Moses. So there was a prophecy given that God would restore the tabernacle of David. Why did God choose David's tabernacle over Moses' tabernacle when it came time to restore his house of worship? Let me show you. A crude artist rendering of the tabernacle of David. Simple, humble, small, but powerful. In fact, there are seven mountains around the city of Jerusalem. One of them is called Zion. And Zion was turned into a 24-7, 365 praise and worship center. You could be up all hours of the night in Jerusalem, and you could hear, Praise ye the Lord, for His mercy endureth forever. Or something like that. A 24-7. Worship center. Moses' tabernacle was exclusive, but David's tabernacle was, y'all come, (laughs) inclusive. Moses' tabernacle was only for the Jews, but David's tabernacle was for all nations. Moses' tabernacle hid the Ark of the Covenant, which was God's focal point of glory, authority, anointing, and power. It was hid behind a veil. Only one man could be there and see it once a year. But David took the Ark of the Covenant out from behind the veil. He brought it out into the streets (laughs) where everybody could see it. I love that about David. He wanted everybody to experience the impact of what we call the Shekinah. That's not a biblical word, but it describes the functioning presence of God, the Shekinah presence of God. David set the Ark of the Covenant under a tent so that not just one man a year, but any seeker, any worshiper could access the presence of God. In Moses' tabernacle, only the priests were allowed to minister, but in David's tabernacle, anyone who wanted to get involved in worship, could come and worship the Lord and feel after him. In Moses' tabernacle, the priest offered animal sacrifices. But in David's tabernacle, the worshipers offered sacrifices of praise and sacrifices of joy and sacrifices of thanksgiving. Moses' tabernacle was a spectator church, but David's tabernacle was a participator's church. Amen. Amen. In David's tabernacle, you didn't sit back and watch as Moses went to the tabernacle. The Bible says that every man stood at his tent door and there goes Moses, you're going to go worship God. But David said, oh no, come on everybody. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go, let us go us go come on somebody go with me to the tabernacle of david right now somebody pull the ark out from behind the veil and let's get into the presence oh come on clap your hand and open your mouth haha <laughs> God liked the second tabernacle better. He said, I don't want my church to be a one-man show. I'm not looking for a superstar TV personality. Although I do pretty good on TV, I think. I'm just kidding. You know, why be boring, right? That's what I say. God said, I don't want that. He said, I want to all access all-inclusive not preacher religion not just the people on the platform doing all the ministry but the lord said i have a chosen generation i have a royal priesthood i have a holy nation god was saying i'm releasing the ministry to the people we thank god for moses but God said, I'm not stopping with Moses. I'm, I'm, I'm going to find me a man after my own heart. I'm going to find me David, who's after my heart. Praise God. Is anybody here? Have you captured the spirit of David? Have you captured the spirit of a worshiper who said, One thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. David said, Show me thy ways, O God, and teach me thy paths. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want you to know something. I can pray for you, but you can pray for yourself. I can go to God for you, but you can bust open the doors. Caleb preached the other day about coming boldly before the throne. Hallelujah. Amen. I can pray for you, but guess what? God will hear your prayers just as well as He'll hear my prayers. And I believe in the priesthood of the believers. In fact, it'd be better if you'd have somebody out there lay hands on you today than even me lay hands hands on you today because that's how the New Testament church operates. Woo! For 35 years I've been doing what I can to put the church into your hands. For 35 years it's never been my goal to build a church For people to come and watch me go through my stuff and do my stuff, my liturgy. That's not New Testament. For 35 years, I've been doing what I can to put the church in your hands, to put the ministry in your hands. Because I'm telling you that all the power of the church is not isolated on the platform. But there is power in them are pews. There is power in the seats. There is power in the saints. There is power of God. In this house, Jesus said, these signs shall follow them that believe. Are there any believers in the house today? In my name, they shall cast out devils. In my name, they will speak with new tongues. In my name, they will lay hands on the sick. And they shall recover. This is how we reach the world. We don't reach the world by watching one guy come and be awesome, but we reach the world when we all realize we're not the tabernacle of Moses, but we're the tabernacle of David. Come on, everybody gets to go. Everybody gets to lead. Everybody gets to worship. Woo! You may be seated. Everybody all right? All of our first time guests, sorry I just went off. We're not there yet. We're not there yet. But we're on our way. You're going to hear more about this when January comes. We rolled out our vision last night to our staff. The Holy Ghost and us agreed, and we sealed it. and And God has got big plans, Amen. For us, we're not there yet. But you know what? I'm not patting ourselves on the back. We've come along. We've come a long way, Amen. We're Virginia Slims. You've come a long way, baby. Where did that come from? They don't even sell those anymore, I don't think. I'll have to look next time I go to Hy-V. We've come a long way. Raise your hand if you've ever prayed with somebody and God did something, a miracle, something. Look at this. Look at this. This is the tabernacle of David. Come on. This is the tabernacle of David. This is the tabernacle of David. God said, I don't want Moses' tabernacle. I don't want a locked down tight ship. I don't want an exclusive church. I want everybody. I want, the, I want all of the Gentiles. I want all nations to come in. I want a church for everybody. I want everybody. I'm, I'm taking the veil. I'm taking the ark out from the veil. In fact, praise God. There were no steps to the altar in the tabernacle. And what God is saying is, everybody can get there. Everybody can bring a sacrifice. I want to tell somebody right now, this may be the first time you've ever been at the Life Church, but once you come and you love what you see and you feel and you hear, you will never get away from it. When your toe starts tapping and your hands start clapping and your mouth starts opening and singing, you will never be satisfied with anything less than a Spirit-filled church, a a tabernacle of David church. This is not a twice-dead, plucked-up-by-the-roots, stained-glass church. We don't have any stained glass at the Life Church. Woo! And it's real. Come on, it's real. All right. So here we go. In the tabernacle of David, I don't have time to preach Amos 9. I'll do, I'll do that another time. In the tabernacle of David, my mind isn't what I, it used to be. I need my notes. There were 16 ministries. Can I have five more minutes? All right. Let's vote on it. All in favor, say Aye. All opposed. There were 16 ministries in the tabernacle of David. And it involved everybody. It wasn't just Moses saying, watch this. No, no, no. It's David saying, come on, let's go. We need you. Singers and singing. Say that. Singers and singing. Is that us? Are we doing that? Second ministry of David's Tabernacle. Musicians and instruments. Man, I, we rock today. Boom. Wait a minute. I never learned how to slap the bass. Okay. I'm having so much fun today. Do we have musicians and instruments? Do we have the best band in Kansas City? I'm just glad they all got the Holy Ghost. We could start a club. Huh? The third ministry, they ministered before the ark, not just the high priest. The fourth ministry were, was the ministry called Recording. We have that. They would have transcribers who would write down words from God. Prophetic words. How organized is that? The ministry, the fifth, thanking the Lord. This is Thanksgiving week. I want you to pay attention to this because I'm going to assign some of you to start doing some of these ministries before we leave today. This is not a spectator church. This is a participator church. Ooh. Sixth one, praise. The Bible says praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. That means praise can't be wimpy and weak and and low. It's got to be high. With the high praises of the Lord in my mouth. Amen. If you're like, well, your God's pretty wimpy. Seventh, Psalms, writing and singing them. Raise your hand over there, James. James is a psalmist. Y'all think James Wilson writes music? He collaborates with James Sims. <laughs> huh? Do we have Psalms writing and singing? Yes. Number eight, rejoicing and joy. Number nine, clapping of hands. Number 10, shouting. Let me tell you what shouting is. It's not dancing. Shouting is Jesus. That's a shout. Hallelujah. That's the best I got from a baritone. That's a shout. Dancing. Before the Lord. Come on. I heard one preacher say, he wanted to say, I didn't stop dancing when I got saved. I just changed partners. But it didn't come out like that. He said, I didn't stop dancing. I just changed my pants. I'm like, I think that made it to church milk. Come on dancing you know what it's not my nature to dance i'm sort of conservative but if i start moving that's like your canary in the in the in the down in the what do you call it the cave if you see the canary fell over that means there's gas released and you better get out if if old gleason starts dancing you better get with it because the spirit is moving and let me tell you one more my sister pam if she ever dances You better think that Jesus is coming in the next 60 minutes. (laughs) Because it'll be the real deal. Dancing, lifting up hands, try that. Did you know that? Go ahead. Did you know that you don't, the biblical prescription of lifting hands is not this, it's not this. That doesn't count. That actually means shoot the hands out. Try it one time. Ready? On the count of three. One, two, three. Oh, that looked awesome. Oh, I felt something with you guys. Do? Try that one more time. One, two, three. What would you do, Dr. Larmy, if you came in here on a Sunday morning and said lift hands and we all went, woo? You dance. That's right. <laughs> Worship, number 13. Number 14, seeking the Lord. Number 15, spiritual sacrifices. That means something that cost you something. I don't know. They didn't call us holy rollers for nothing back in the day. I don't think I've ever rolled. But I would. I might. And the last one is saying Amen. Everybody say, amen. "Amen, Amen, what does it mean? It means, so be it. It means whatever you just preach from the word, I believe it and I want it for me. Amen, I'm claiming it. Amen, it's mine. These were the 16 ministries in the tabernacle of David. And God said, that's the tabernacle I want. In the last days, in the 21st century, we've got to be the restoration. If it's in the book, we've got to have it. So, are you ready? Section one, two, three, four, five, and six. Raise your hand if you're section three. All right, you were listening. Thank you. All right. I'm going to assign you one of the 16 ministries of the Tabernacle of David. Section one, your ministry, since it's Thanksgiving week, is to give thanksgiving to the Lord. You start thanking him for every, the Bible said, in everything, give thanks. You say, well, my life isn't going too good right now. You can still thank him in the good times in the bad times. Paul told Timothy, he said, in the last days, many would be unthankful. And the next thing he said is unholy. So when you become unthankful, you're one step away from becoming unholy. But if you can stay thankful. All right. Practice. Ready? Go. Come on. Come on. Be thankful. Be thankful. Praise God. Be thankful. Elevate your voices just a little bit. Come on, section one, we need you. All right, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Take a time out. Section two, are you ready? Clap your hand. I liked Ryan. He had his hands up over his head. That was pretty good. Okay, I think you got that. All right, section three, we've all practiced this one, lifting hands. How do you do it? That gets me every time I see that. Put that into your worship liturgy. Don't ever come in here. Shoot those hands out. All right, you got it. Section four, rejoicing and joy. Rejoice and enjoy. Rejoicing. Rejoicing. You can get a miracle when you're rejoicing. Good job, good job, good job. All right, save a little energy because we're gonna really need it in a minute. Section five, praise, praise, praise him for his mighty acts. Good, good, good. Good job. Excellent. Section six, your ministry is the saying of amen. 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 So let me give purpose to that. Every promise that God's ever given you, you put an amen on it. Every prophetic word he's ever spoken to you, through the preaching, through prayer, through a brother, sister ministering to you, put an amen on it. Amen. Anything that you want to prophesy to yourself, put an amen on it. All right. Are you ready to say amen? amen? Amen is going to seal it all. Are you ready? Tabernacle of David. Come on, let's make sure we restored. I want the praise team to get up here. I want the band to get up here. And we're going to have a full, we're going to have a full impartation. A full demonstration not of the tabernacle of Moses but of the tabernacle of David are you ready are you ready are you ready come on why not let's have some fun and let's see what God will do let's see what God will do do you remember what you're doing over here huh Do you remember what's going on in two? How about three? Four, are you ready? Five, are you ready? Six. Now listen. Some of us went together on a tour to the Holy Land. (laughs) Raise your hand if you went to Israel with our church about seven, eight years ago. Caleb, you went, yeah. All right. Our guide's name was Erez Berkowitz. He's not a Messianic Jew. He's not an Orthodox Jew. I'm not sure what he is, but he's Jewish. <sighs> but we love him. We love his family. In fact, when my wife and I went with another group, they had another guide. He drove a couple hours just to come and have tea with my wife and I. And some of you remember, he came to America, and he came into this worship center. He sat right over here, and I had him greet the congregation. I don't know if you remember what he said, but he came in during a red-hot worship encounter. We were praising God like we were this morning, and he said, and I quote, You people have captured the ancient spirit of my land that's why when you go to the nation of israel and you're a born-again believer you feel like you've come home you feel like you came full circle it's where the holy spirit was first poured out it's where our lord and savior walked it's where he suffered and bled and died and rose again and i want to say i believe we have captured the spirit of david we have not captured the spirit of the historic church but we have captured the spirit of the apostolic church of the first century so on the count of three i want us to restore the tabernacle of david and after you get done with what I've assigned you, if you want to go somewhere else and start thanking or clapping or rejoicing or dancing or shouting, just go ahead because I know what's going to happen. If we will worship Him according to the biblical prescription, God's going to fill people with the Holy Ghost today. And God's going to heal people spontaneously and sovereignly. And nobody's going to have to lay a hand on them. And God's going to restore. Are you ready? One, two, three. I'm the spirit of David. Come on, my Jack I'm the spirit of praise. Longing to stand in God's presence. Go ahead, rejoice in You.